regardless the ad format or ad type that you want or the mechanisms you want you want to try if the content is really interesting for the users and of course it's the, the the usp is something that the users are willing to pay attention to or uh, is really solving something on their end then um definitely the 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 possibility to succeed in um, ua effects or ua, UA actions will be higher Welcome to Aptica Docs Podcast. In each episode, we discuss hot topics of mobile app market with renowned experts. Uh, hey guys, and welcome to Aptica Docs Podcast. Uh, today, I'm having with me Pablo Perez Gonzalez, Performance Marketing Director at Admiral Media. And actually, we are filming and recording uh, this episode on Monday morning. I've grabbed my morning coffee and pretty excited about our conversation and all the insights into creatives, tests, scan 4.0, and much more. Hola, Pablo. ¿Qué tal? Hola, hola. Hello. Everything is fine here. Um, I have my... Uh, not morning coffee, but afternoon coffee, because uh, this is one of the advantages of um, uh, having things remotely. I'm based in Thailand, and it's uh, already 2 p.m. here. <laughs> ah, I envy you. <laughs> I didn't know. I wish I could be there as well. <laughs> okay. Cyprus is okay anyways. You can't complain. Um, yeah. Great. Yeah, so before we start, uh, could you tell us a bit more about you, Admiral Media, your tasks? I saw that you were promoted recently, so congratulations on that. Uh, and maybe some interesting projects or tasks uh, you're currently working yeah. on. So I have been working in the online marketing industry since 2011, approximately. Um, mostly in service provider companies from different industries, such as um, finance, job marketplaces, um, gambling and gaming. Um, and I used to, back then I used to focus more on web marketing until I joined Armal Media almost three years ago as a campaign manager. Um, then after yeah one, one year or something, I, I, was pro I got promoted to um, user acquisition team lead. And since January, um, I am uh, the performance marketing director of the company. And since I joined Armal Media, I really fell in love um, uh, with the app industry in general. Um, especially with app marketing, and um, I'm really enjoying my journey here. Um, also, having worked so many years in the client side gave me the opportunity to um, um, to understand how um, how to work in such environments, and also uh, understand a company's needs. Right, and and uh, not, now that I'm on our media on the agency side, I try to use that uh, that specific advantage um, to understand our, our clients' needs and and uh, fulfill them basically. Are there any interesting projects you currently work on in Admiral yes. Media? Yes, um, I'm currently, so within Admiral Media, we have this expert program role. Um, and I'm currently in charge of SCAT, um, SCAT 4.0, or SCAT in general, uh, expert program. So I'm really excited about these news that will be, um, that we have uh, recently, um, uh, we have recently got to in the industry, and we will cover some of them during this podcast as well. Um, and then we have also, I'm also part of the team that has been scaling a specific dating app, um, which offer one for our clients in the US and also in other tier one English speaking countries, um, using DSPs. Um, so yeah, that's also an interesting project we are working on. Great. So I also discussed with Kevin TikTok and with Andrea some more issues. So you have a lot of directions. Uh, to develop and it's actually great uh, and one direction that I would like to discuss at the very beginning it's creatives because we are quite passionate uh, 
uh, here at Aptica uh, about creatives and we follow all the creatives uh, of uh, many publishers and all of all the apps mm. and analyze them. That's why I'm particularly interested in your stance on that. So uh, maybe you have some insights into different uh, ad formats. So what works better, banner, interstitial, playable ads, because some, for example, argue that interstitial, uh, this um, format isn't working mm. so it's better to invest in playable ads because it has high performance uh, rate and engagement rate so what do you think about yeah it's, it's pretty funny um in other media we do have a creative production team um which is composed by, by five people four designers and one um uh, creative lead team um and we take creatives very seriously um, and I do have a couple of uh, personal opinions that also based on, on, on some experiences that I, ha I have had with different clients. Um, so we know that uh, we have heard recently that fake ads are, um, we, have, we have heard a lot of controversial, controversial opinions uh, about, about this kind of ad in particular. And to be honest, I don't really like them because um, you are basically um, selling something that the user can see in your app, right? Um, of course, I'm not anyone or I won't say, no, let's don't produce fake ads if the clients um, want to do that. But personally speaking, I don't, I don't really like them because again, you're promising something that uh, the user can't really find in your app. Um, but to be honest, uh, in our agency, we haven't tried those fake ads yet um, because there's no, um, the gaming uh, clients that we have haven't agreed on testing them, to be honest. But I've heard that um, for many, for many other um, apps out there or games out there, uh, it, it really worked well. So again, um, I personally don't like them, but if the data says uh, we need to try them and our clients agree on that, then of course um, we will give it a shot. Then um, inter interstitials um, from my perspective are a bit too invasive. Um, so personally, I don't like them that much, especially for performance oriented campaigns. They could work though for um, uh, brand awareness or, or brand awareness or reach campaigns. Um, where you want um, cheap CPMs and um, basically show the or display the message to a specific audience or target audience. Um, but again, because they are too invasive uh, somehow, um, the, the in engagement rates are not very high uh, usually, right? That's why I'm saying uh, it could work if you want to um, um, harm a message on the, on the client's or a target audience head. Um, on the other side, we have playables, and this is a very interesting topic, a very interesting type to sneak peek or give the, the, the users the possibility to sneak peek um, the game in first person. However, the counterpart of it is that in some cases it's not applicable, right? Um, on gaming, it depends on the game. On hyper-casual, probably um, it's um, usually doable. But for example, for um, 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 hardcore games, uh, it's, it's a bit harder, um, right? Or role-play games, uh, it's a bit harder. Um, because of the limitations that you that the ad networks usually have, right? Um, like uh, ad length or uh, especially the file size, fi file size. But we have to we have really seen uh, good performance on playable ads for um, for um, hyper casual games, to be honest. And then we have the usual uh, video or banners. Uh, videos, I really like that specific format, especially in Meta. I think that um, videos is the best performing ad type or ad format um, in Meta ads. And uh, it also gives us the possibility to explain the, bad, the, the game in a better way and in a deeper way, because you can extend a lot there, right? Um, usually 15 seconds is the, um, the length that um, 
that Meta at least recommends as best practices and uh, as the ideal length of a specific video. And I also like to to mix this video thing with UGC and influencer videos, right? Which are um, um, a great variant of video ads and also with great performance during the last couple of uh, months or even uh, the last full year. Then lastly, we have the banners, uh, which is probably, or which are probably the most common ad type out there. And um, I do like native ones there um, because if you can really uh, produce something that is not perceived as an ad, uh, like native ads, uh, and the content is really impactful or useful for the user, then the, probably the engagement rates will be higher, right? Yeah, so a native ad is something new, right? Because we discussed it with Smato uh, during our last episode, and um, they, they were already trying uh, this type of uh, adv advertisement and creatives, but they're not sure about the future of this type because it's quite costly, it's quite difficult to implement, and you need just to negotiate with the game studio to find a place for this ad, just to have it native. And not all apps are applicable yeah. for that, for example. Car racing, it's okay. But maybe some medieval battles, it might be weird to have this in app. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just of, Mag of McDonald's or something. So have you already tried maybe with some of your clients this type of... Uh, no native in-app ads. Um, no, we haven't. Um, we have tried native ads um, like as banners in, in DSPs, for example, or Google Display Network, mm -hmm. uh, which tends to use to work better than regular banners. Um, but no, unfortunately, similar to fake ads, uh, we haven't find uh, we haven't found uh, any client that's uh, willing to test those kind of ads yet. Uh, and what about testing? So you mentioned several times already that you were testing some creatives, yeah. and also I, I heard uh, a lot of uh, arguments uh, between publishers. So I was eavesdropping. <laughs> I remember that way they uh, they were discussing their strategies yeah. about testing. And they actually use different platforms. Some publishers go for Snapchat, some use Facebook for testing creatives, um, and different uh, different uh, girls, so US yeah. or Europe. So what's your strategy yeah. here? Before jumping into testing, um, let me uh, also give my personal opinion on the, um, on the ad types in general. I, I'm, uh, I am a strong okay. believer of the content rather than the ad type to make a good impact on um, the user acquisition effects, right? So different ad types or different mechanisms will uh, definitely have uh, always uh, pros and, and counterparts. But if we understand what the USP is uh, of one um, particular game, product or service, and what pain point we are solving in our target audience, then the likelihood to succeed will be higher, right? So um, what I'm trying to say here is that regardless of the ad format or ad type that you want or the mechanisms you want, you want to try, if the content is really interesting for the users, and of course, it's the, the, the USP is something that the users are willing to pay attention to or uh, is really solving something on their end, then um, definitely the, the, the possibility to succeed in um, UA effects or UA actions will be higher. Um, and one more thing, we had, I can also mix this to testing. 100% um, testing is, is a key role here, especially even more now than uh, Meta, Google, and all the other ad networks are moving towards a more automated um, environment where we see more automated campaigns like Advantage Plus um, or old or former um, AAA campaigns in Meta or the um, ACI campaigns in, in Google, which um, uh, formerly were um, uh, AC, sorry, UEC campaigns. Um, so everything tends to be more automated in a certain way. So. Targeting is becoming re less relevant. Um, so 
for the marketers, the, the easiest tool that we have to play with to improve performance is creatives, right? So that's why we need to test um, 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 a lot. And going back to your last question, um, of course, the, the test environment will depend on too many things, like um, the languages you're promoting your ads on, um, the budget level that you have, which platforms or platforms or ad networks you have live, which operative systems um, you're investing on, and of course, the number of creatives that we want to test in a, in a, in a specific period or certain uh, time frame. Generally speaking, I don't like to be, I don't like to test things on Google. Uh, from my perspective, it's the worst ad network to test to test creatives on, um, because basically of the bad reporting it has to be polite in a certain way. <laughs> And also because uh, this, the, the campaign and ad set structure um, is not useful for testing from a perspective because you can't con even control how much you spend on a specific ad set, right? On the other hand, you have all the rest of the ad networks uh, like Meta, TikTok, Snapchat, even Twitter as well. From my perspective, those are pretty much the same or very similar one, one to each other when it comes to testing because the structure that you can set there is, is pretty uh, much the same. So I would recommend you to pick the channels for the other networks that you are already running campaigns on or where you are allocating more budget, right? So uh, you can run campaigns on Meta, for example, and then apply the learnings to um, Snapchat or uh, Google or Twitter, whatever. TikTok, I would I put this uh, ad network aside because the creatives that usually work on TikTok are completely different from the ones that usually work on the other ad networks. So TikTok requires its specific, specific test environment, I would say. And then um, as a general rule, um, of course, testing things on Android and applying the learnings to iOS will be <clears throat> a bit cheaper, right? But you need to know in advance that the learnings that you can take from Android can be applicable for iOS, right? Because Usually we see that, that that's the case, right? For most of our clients, uh, we do see that the best performing credits are the same among um, both operative systems. But it could be that um, because of the target audience or because of whatever reasons, then the iOS users tend to like, uh, I don't know, banners instead of videos, for example, right? So if you know that um, there is a discrepancy or a gap between those operative systems, then you will need to test um, the creatives in both operative systems and then uh, take the learnings from within each other uh, separately, basically, right? And this um, can be also applicable to um, geolocation, right? So if you're running campaigns on the US, for example, and you know that um, the English, um, uh, tier one English speaking countries or even cheaper countries, um, also English speaking ones, have more or less the same behavior uh, when it comes to creatives um, performance, then you can run the test on cheaper, um, like in South Africa, for example, uh, or any other cheaper countries, English speaking countries, and then apply the learnings or pick the winners from those, te those tests to uh, and use them in the US, for example, which is um, usually the, the biggest market for our clients, right? Um, so let's, for example, deep dive on the structure that we use internally in our agency. Uh, let's say we have, um, we will test things on Android on a particular channel that a particular geolocation doesn't really mind um, it doesn't really matter which one um so usually we have an ongoing campaign right um so definitely we suggest to test things on uh, upper funnel events like install and then add the winners as a second step um once you pick the winners up you will add those ones to the ongoing campaign regardless if it's the same geolocation or or not right as i was explaining before so in the second stage you will 
um, let the creatives compete or the winning creatives compete with the existing creatives in the ongoing campaign, right? And then, um, again, it depends on the budget, um, on the number of creatives that you have and, and, and so many things, but we usually have three different um, test structure or testing structures, right? So we have the cheapest one, then we have the more insightful one, and then, which is also the most expensive. And then we have a hybrid mode model here. So the cheapest one would be to add the creatives um, you want to test in a, in a new campaign all together in one single ad set. So let's say we have 10 new creatives to test. We upload, we create one new campaign, one single ad set optimizing towards install or an upper final event. And we upload all the 10 creatives um, within the same ad set. So basically we are letting the algorithm decide uh, on, on, on the winner or on the where the algorithm wants to invest the money on based on early stage data, right? So the counterpart of this approach is that at the end of the test, you won't have enough data to compare the different, um, um, you won't have enough data to compare the different creatives. So because usually the algorithms will push one or two single creatives um, and the others won't get much pen, right? So maybe if the test is 1K, for example, or 5K, then 90% will be allocated to these two um, um, highest spenders, and then all the rest won't, won't have any, will have only the 10% remaining, right? Um, so that, that's why you, you, you are letting the algorithm um, um, decide on their own, on its own, and you won't have enough data to see if the, the algorithm was right or wrong, basically, right? Then on a second step, we have the more expensive, but also more insightful. Let's say again, we have these 10 um, new creatives. So we launch one single campaign, but we launch also 10 ad sets. One ad set containing one single creative. And of course the setup of each ad set should be exactly the same on bidding, on budget, on um, um, event optimization, on, on targeting. And at the end of the, of the test, you will have the same span among all the creatives, and then you will have enough data to decide which, basically, which um, creatives um, or to pick the, the winners uh, as per your goals, right? And the last one is the hybrid model. This is usually used when you have um, too many creatives, I don't know, uh, more than 10 or more than 20 creatives. Then you can group them, you can group those creatives by topic. Let's say we have 20 creatives to test, and we have four different topics then um, you will create one single campaign, um, one ad set per topic. So in this case, we will create four single ad, ad groups or ad sets, and you will upload five creatives per ad set, right? So um, five per four, you will get the 20 creatives. So it's a hybrid model because the algorithm will still decide on ad group, ad group level on which creative, to, um, which creative to push, basically, but you will have enough data to compare one topic to to the other, basically, because the, all the ad groups or all the topics will have the same um, span, right? Well, it's a bit uh, difficult for me <laughs> to understand as not being an expert. So that's why I'm just trying to understand the general concept of all of this, but it's pretty clear. Um, but while, uh, while listening, mm. I got a question. Is there a difference between gaming and non-gaming apps? I mean, and creatives for gaming and non-gaming apps. Yeah, when it comes to testing, there's not really a difference from our perspective, because when you are testing something, you have a set of creatives, right? Um, so it, it doesn't really matter what the content or, or what you're promoting in each creative, unless you want to group them by topic, like I, I mentioned, the hybrid model. But then for gaming and non-gaming, it's, it's pretty much the same. Um, of course, in gaming, for example, you could have 
more player ads or more fake ads, uh, which are very trendy lately. But then, uh, regardless, uh, the, the the content, the, the the test structure won't vary to um, um, too much, to be honest. Okay, so and uh, you were also talking about TikTok, yeah. and I know that Admiral Media is quite strong uh, in TikTok. Uh, and again, Kevin gave this marvelous talk during Games Forum in Barcelona. I remember uh, about these insights. Uh, maybe you could share also some insights about this TikTok. We see this tremendous growth of this network, I guess, and it continues to rise and just be more even popular with all these trends. So maybe you have some winning tactics. Um, that's my first question. And the second, I guess, will be here. Uh, what's the difference between Spark ads and uh, like usual general ads? Spark ads is something that's quite popular nowadays and a lot of publishers at game studios, not only game studios, they're trying uh, to use more Spark uh, ads rather than uh, this general uh, in TikTok yeah. yeah, we have a very um, nice setup internally. So as you mentioned, Kevin is one of the, well, actually the, the, the expert uh, in TikTok. He has, has been um, giving or jumping into stage to give some um, information about our case studies and the data that we have gathered um, from our clients out there in uh, Hamburg and also in some other places in Europe. Um, and to be honest, TikTok has become, it's not new that it's, it has become a very strong channel and it's all, always in consideration, uh, at least in our team, if we have enough budgets, right? right? So I would say it's among the second or third best performing channel um, for our, um, um, our clients, right? So if we crack, for example, Meta and Google, then definitely TikTok is the next way to go. And in some cases, um, for some specific uh, apps or industries, TikTok could be also the the, the best performing um, channel for some of our clients, right? Um, so on Spark Ads, let me explain a little bit what Spark Ads is and how it um, differs from the regular uh, ads, right? So TikTok Spark Ads are um, it's a native ad format that allows brands to create campaigns uh, uh, that can leverage posts from their own TikTok accounts or also use organic posts made or published by other creators. Of course, they will need to get the permission from, from the, each specific creator, right? Um, so usually this is mixed with um, user-generated content and also influencer content. And basically the only difference from Spark ads to the regular ads is that you're basically in Spark ads leveraging these organic posts, right? Other, either from the other creator, creator's profile or from um, a brand's profile or TikTok ad account, uh, TikTok account, sorry. Um, actually, we have a, a, when when this Spark Ads thing um, came up probably two years ago or something, we run exactly the same creative as a Spark Ad and as regular ad. So regular ad, we will we basically uploaded the creative manually into the ad account. And the Spark ad, we we took the or we yeah we leveraged the post from the organic um, um, from the organic post from the content creator profile, right? But the creative was exactly the same, and we saw um, that the Spark ads were uh, having way better performance compared to the regular one, right? Why it's really hard to say because the creative is exactly the same. Probably it it is related to um, an algorithm thing that um, TikTok did, right? So maybe there are giving more prior, um, priority to these Spark ads compared to the regular ads or better play, placements or whatever. Um, but definitely this is something that worked really be better um, uh, back then when we um, when we tested this 
the two specific things. And since then, to be honest, we have been launching Spark ads consistently, and we skipped being uh, we skipped this um, regular ads thing uh, because again, we saw better performance there. Mm -hmm. um, so that's basically the strategy that we have currently, right? So we want to um, we help our clients to produce this Spark ads content by hiring influencers or micro influencers for them and taking care of the full um, creative production process with different feedback rounds. And of course, once we have the final round or the final asset delivered and uh, we have the um, client's approval, then we set it live. And the testing structure is pretty much the same as the one that I mentioned before um, in Meta, um, Snapchat, Twitter. Um, of course, in this case, you're not using playable ads or um, 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 native and so on. You'll use Spark ads instead, which are usually UGC or influencer content. So Spark Ads, it's your winning tactic for 100%. TikTok. So do you see any challenges uh, related to TikTok now? Um, yes. As I told you before, two years ago, um, we started testing this Spark Ads thing when they TikTok released it. I, I'm saying two years ago, but I can't remember exactly the, the date, but between two or three years ago. Um, and it was very easy to find micro-influencers um, back then. Um, Nowadays, they, because again, the industry has been has become more popular, it's harder to find those micro-influencers at a very cheap price that could deliver good content, right? So this is one of the big challenges or main challenges nowadays to find cheap um, 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 content creators, creators, so to say, uh, that can deliver something that, uh, uh, that's really, really outperforms the other creators that you have been running, right? Then also during the creative production process, um, the feedback round could be also um, a pain point if you don't set this this, uh, this up correctly, right? It could be a really headache. For example, we usually set a maximum of two or three feedback rounds, and we try to involve all the stakeholders um, because otherwise, uh, if some of them participate in the in the briefing, but then others participate in the first or second feedback uh, rounds, then um, things cannot be aligned. So definitely one suggestion would be to um, involve all the stakeholders from the beginning and along um, um, the full creative production process, right? To avoid this, uh, to avoid many changes uh, and to avoid wasting time basically, right? So usually the less feedback rounds, the better. Now I was going to say that um, another one that we have uh, as a challenge is the, to nail the UA actions. Of course, results are not guaranteed with Spark Ads as with regular creatives in other channels. So you need to produce a good amount of creatives to um, to have a winner, right? Usually we see one or two creatives out of 10, 20 uh, or 10, 15 um, could become winners and really outperform the other ones that you have been running or um, the ones that are in the ongoing campaign that's um, the way we usually call the, the live campaign that we have. Okay, so and despite all these challenges, TikTok shouldn't be neglected anyways because it's just one of the most popular ones and the best performing, I guess, for some of the apps. So um, just one more question from my side, and I guess it's your expertise. Uh, so it's Scan 4.0. Yeah. So uh, I know that uh, we could talk uh, about yes. that for ages, <laughs> uh, and there were a lot of uh, articles and reports on this subject already. What are the main um, differences about, uh, about Scan 4.0, and where are we now in terms of transition between number three and number yeah. four? So as you said, it's very hard to um, cover everything in a few minutes uh, because there are um, um, too many things that have changed from scan three to scan four. 
Um, but the most or important ones or the key ones are in Scanner 4.0, we'll have an improved LTB measurement because we will be receiving three post packs instead of one compared to Scan 3.0. And each different post pack will be based on um, different activity windows. The first one will be from day zero to day two, second one will be from day three to day seven, and the third one and last one will be from day eight to the, uh, day 35. Within each post pack um, in Scan 4.0, we will also have this log window feature which will allow us to end the post pack earlier than it's than it is supposed to be, or that than it is supposed to last, right? So let's say we know that um, most of our purchases um, happen within um, the first five days, and after the fifth day, then the data becomes less relevant. Though we could um, use this log window feature to trigger. Um, or to end the second postback on day five instead of day seven, right? However, this is a bit uh, confusing still because we don't know how the MMPs will adopt this or will use this specific feature. We have heard from AppsFlyer uh, in a webinar they, they they did that they will link it not to to um, a particular time frame, but to the highest conversion value, right? So whenever so in in the second or third postback we'll have um, a um, coarse grain conversion value. So we'll have uh, only low, medium, and high conversion values, only three. And whenever the highest conversion value happen, then AppSire will uh, trigger this log window feature, right? So it's still a bit unclear uh, how we will be able to use it. I haven't heard any other MMP um, um, disclosing some internal data about how they they will go to they were they will go to use it. So let's um, that's something that is a really powerful feature but we don't know how we were going to use it. Then the second uh, biggest um, um, update is the, the support for web-to-app attribution. This will be available only in Safari, which is the mobile browser um, that uh, iPhone users choice over 90%, so a good impact, to be honest. And um, Google actually uh, received this this uh, this change um, in a very good uh, way, so in a very positive way, because Previous scan, um, um, previous scan campaigns or scan versions did not support Google Web Ads, right? So this one will, but only in Safari. So that's something, um, it's not a super, super relevant thing because uh, Web2 app campaigns, um, at least from what I've heard in the industry, are declining in usage, to be honest. Uh, it has a, it had a high, or they had a high peak a few months ago uh, to try to avoid these um, Play Store and App Store fees, um, but they have been, uh, they haven't proved a better performance, to be honest, even uh, without the, the fee. Then the third the third uh, biggest change would be the crowd anonymity. Um, so in, in, nowadays we will have, or in Scan 4.0, this is not something that, or this is something that didn't work uh, or wasn't uh, there in Scan 3.0, but um, it was introduced by Apple as a new term of privacy thresholds, where we will have four tiers, 0, 1, 2, and 3, and basically, Apple Framework will determine which crowd anonymity each tier, um, each instance belongs to, and then will it will disclose more information based on the tier that the, that instance belongs to, right? So it will um, report fine or grain, um, sorry, fine grain or coarse grain conversion values. Uh, it will report different um, source identifiers or even the source app ID, right? And um, the last uh, biggest impact or change will be the source ID. Um, previously, we had the, this campaign ID with 
uh, two digits from 0 to 99 and the source ID will uh, have four digits instead of two, right? So ad networks will have way more numbers to uh, play with for reporting and also um, this will make them reveal some information like placements or ads um, level or country or any other um, um, breakdown data that they might um, um, use this source ID uh, for, right? Um, so you also asked why, um, where we are currently in the transition between three to four, yes. right? So the last, the, there are a couple of things that need to happen for SCAT 4.0 to be real, right? The first one was the release by Apple, of course. And then um, there are a couple of more that needs to happen. The MMP's adoption, which um, from where I heard, all of them have been, have adopted it. Um, some of them still don't know or hasn't offered or haven't offered um, a way to set things up to advertisers or to um, um, their clients, but some, some, um, some already did, right? So this is the first step. And I would say this is already covered. Then um, I guess, I can't remember exactly the OS version. I guess it's 16.1. So users need to up, um, um, upgrade or refresh their operative system version to 16.1. I guess it's 16.1. Um, so I would say, I checked the numbers a few weeks ago and we are at 50% or something. So we are still not there yet, but 50% of iOS users or iPhone users should be already um, able to, to, to use this CAD 4.0 thing. And the last point would be the ad networks. And this is where we haven't heard uh, um, much info about, right, yet. So ad networks will um, reveal or will need to in do their own implementation of SCAD 4.0 and rebuild how they were going to use it. And this is basically linked to the source ID I was speaking about before. Um, so I heard that TikTok um, was supposed to release something by the beginning of Q1 of Q2 this year. So I read April. So we are already by the middle of April. So hopefully we see we hear, hear something soon. And Google also um, said that they will do it by May. Right, so all the other networks, uh, all the other ad networks haven't uh, pronounced themselves yet. So this transition might be quite challenging for some marketers. Will you offer some guidelines from your side as Admiral Media? Will you help somehow? Yes. So uh, to your clients, I mean. Yes. So the first thing, I mean, um, um, I really recommend you to try to understand how SCAT 4.0 works because this will give you a competitive advantage to uh, compare to the other apps or other clients that are not um, um, thinking about SCAD 4.0, right? Because again, there will be uh, more useful data that we will be able to receive through SCAD 4.0. So the earlier um, you launch things um, uh, or you kick things off, once we the, the ad networks uh, again comply with uh, SCAD 4.0 and they, they release their own implementation, the better, right? So the earlier you, do, you, you, you adopt it, the better. Uh, so nowadays, of course, you, as I said before, you can't really start receiving all the data uh, from SCAT 4.0. Um, but still, there are a few things that you, do, you that you can do, and it's understanding how SCAT 4.0 works, um, and also start how you are going to use it. Because once you understand it, then you will be able um, to use it uh, in, a, in, a, in a proper way. Of course, until you have the final, uh, the real data coming in, then you won't you won't be able to decide if your setup um, is the best or not, right? But at least you have an idea of on how you will use the fine and coarse-grained uh, frameworks or values. Um, you will have an idea of um, on, on how you're going to use the source IDs if the ad networks allows the advertisers to 
uh, use them somehow. Uh, maybe they, they just release a fixed framework where we don't have a vote in. <laughs> so uh, that could also be an option. But the more you understand Scant 4.0 uh, uh, and the earlier the earlier you do it, then um, the more advantage you will have uh, when it's uh, fully released. Okay, yeah, so we should wait, I guess, uh, some reactions from ad networks just to have a clear picture about that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so and what are other trends you need to keep an eye on uh, for this year and for the upcoming year? So we have uh, Scan, a new version of Scan. What else? Yeah, Scan is uh, definitely something important for this year. Um, then it's not new, to be honest, uh, but I expect that the AI industry um to be a very hot topic um especially with this um banning thing from italy and germany we already heard that italy and germany uh, already banned um uh, Ch yeah, correct. yes um so this will be a very very hot topic it's already a hot topic so um i guess it will last definitely for um for what we have remaining of this year and also the next couple of years because there are too many things that you can do with AI, not only with creatives, uh, creatives but also with um, um, on, from a developer side um, uh, perspective, from a process improvements perspective, and also on targeting perspective, and too many things um, that at, at some point it could be dangerous, <laughs> as Elon Musk said as well. Um, but yes, uh, AI will be a very hot, hot topic uh, this year and probably the next few ones. And this is a a betting from my side, right? So I expect also the NFT market to come back slowly this year. Um, we we all know that uh, it suffered um, a crisis um, during last year after this high peak on NFT um, fever. <laughs> so I expect that uh, again this year uh, it could um, come back slowly, maybe not as high as or, or as strong as before, um, but definitely will will um, come back to life. Okay, so that has been a great conversation and uh, I've learned a lot as usual uh, from such great experts so thank you for being with us thank you for finding some time enjoy the rest of your day thanks to you for inviting me I, it was a really pleasure and really enjoyed speaking with you um, and yeah looking forward to to the um, podcast to find out more about Aptica and its products please follow the website aptica.com do not miss the next episodes by following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or any other major platforms. Thank you for listening.